The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for your word. Help us to open our hearts, our ears, our minds to receive your word and to continually be transformed by your grace, to live as your faithful people. In your name we pray, amen. So during the summer, we have one worship service at 930, as you know, and we've been doing it bilingual. Now, with the sermon, I've gotten some feedback that it's kind of hard when I go ping-ponging back and forth to Spanish and English. So what I'd like to try to do this morning, if it's okay, is I'll give a, a brief synopsis of the sermon in Spanish, and then I'll give the sermon in English. Uh, can we give that a try? We'll give it a try, and let me know what you think uh, this week, and uh, feel free to do that. Los seres humanos pueden cumplir la ley según el libro de Deuteronomio, pero Lutero dijo que estamos salvados por la gracia y no por la ley. 
Entonces, ¿qué hacemos con este enigma? La, la Biblia dice que podemos hacer la ley y nuestra teología dice que estamos salvados por la gracia y no por la ley. El problema es que estamos tentados en creer que estamos justificados por cumplir la ley. Pero la Biblia dice es la gracia de Dios que nos da la posibilidad de cumplir la ley. Entonces la gracia es primero y lo hace capaz de hacer la ley. Esto es lo que sucedió con el abogado y Jesús. El abogado quiso saber qué necesita hacer para ser salvado. Pero la salvación es lo que hace capaz de hacer la ley de Dios. Un ejemplo, cuando yo era más joven yo trabajaba en el campamento del Camino Pines. Y una vez hicimos una caminata. En esta caminata todo el campamento desde el más chiquito al más grande bajamos a un cañón. Y subimos el otro lado. La caminata era difícil para los que no estaban grandes, los niños. Entonces yo tenía preocupación. ¿Cómo iba a hacer la caminata a los niños? Pero los consejeros del campamento dijeron que los grandes, los teenagers, tenían que ayudar a los niños. Y juntos... Bajamos el cañón y subimos poco a poco desde el otro lado. Fuimos muy lento, pero fuimos juntos. Esto es precisamente el punto de la parábola de Jesús. Hay dos caminos para ir desde Jerusalén a Jericó. El más derecho cruza por Samaria. El más largo no cruza por Samaria, es más difícil. Entonces, todas las personas en la historia están evitando un pueblo para ir más rápido. Pero el buen samaritano, en vez de ir rápido a su lugar, fue lento con la persona que estaba sufriendo. Él fue más lento, pero juntos vayamos más largo. Amar al prójimo es un acto de fe. La gracia de Dios es la manera en que podemos amar al prójimo y cumplir la ley de Dios. En la lectura de Colasas hay un ejemplo. Pablo dice que el pueblo está creciendo porque tienen fe. Y cuando tenemos fe y vivimos en paz y tenemos compasión uno al otro, vamos más lento, pero vamos más distancia y crezcamos en comunidad y amor uno al otro. Esto es la gracia de Dios. Amén. So human beings can fulfill the law of God according to the book of Deuteronomy. However, Luther said that we're not saved by keeping the laws. So what are we supposed to do with this puzzle? Every week I say we're saved by grace and not by works. And yet right here in the Bible, in Deuteronomy, it says, yes, you can. You can fulfill the law of God. 
The problem is a theology of justification through works of the flesh. This is believing in the lie that some people have rights and some people don't. A lawyer wanted to figure this out with Jesus. He's basically asking Jesus, who is worthy of being treated like my neighbor and who is not? Where can I draw the lines to focus who is in and who is out? Jesus responded to this lawyer's question with a question and a story. Instead of getting in an argument, being divided, Jesus told him a story and asked him a question. By doing this, as I said to the children, Jesus reframes the whole question from defining who's in and who's out to changing it to how do we be a good neighbor? The lawyer answers correctly. It's the one who shows compassion. So we should have compassion for everyone. We have to suffer with those who suffer so that we can find relief together. I want to tell you a story. Last week I mentioned that I was a camp counselor in my early 20s. That's where Sherry and I met. Now, when we were camp counselors at El Camino Pines, there were lots of different hikes, and we hiked all the time. There was the hike you started with. It was called the Chumash hike. And right outside the camp, there was a Chumash burial ground and a Chumash kitchen where they would grind acorns. That's where you took the littlest kids. And then they worked up to do the Frontier Pines hike. And then when they got stronger, they would do what's called the ravine hike, where you drop down into a ravine like a canyon and you hike back out through the top. Then you would do the McGill hike all the way up to the campground. And finally, those campers that were the strongest would do what was called the sunset hike, where you hiked all the way to the edge of the mountain range and you looked out west to the ocean and you would watch the sunset. That's how it used to be. A couple years ago, we went back to camp as volunteers. I was a pastor taking youth from our church. And the camp counselor said, we're going to do something different this year. Instead of everyone dividing up and doing the hikes that's best suited to their ability, we're all going to do the same hike together. We're going to do the ravine hike. And I thought to myself, gosh, well, they don't know what they're doing around here anymore. We've established all these perfect traditions, and now they're changing them. But I kept my mouth shut, shut. This was an internal dialogue. I went along with it like a good volunteer. So we got to the ravine hike, and what happened? All the teenagers ran down, full speed, straight down the side of the mountain, the adventurous ones. And the little kids were at the top, almost in tears, saying, we can't do it, we can't do it. And I'm sitting there getting frustrated, thinking to myself, I knew this would happen. So then the camp counselors at the bottom said, okay, we don't go any further until everyone's down the steep part. How are we going to do it? And so there was some discussion, and finally the teenagers, most especially the strongest ones, said, well, we'll hike back up, and we'll position ourselves along the bank, and we'll carefully help the little kids get down. And the counselors said, oh, well, that's a good idea. Let's do that. 
And so those that were sure-footed went up the side, and one by one we helped the littlest uh, that had the most difficulty hiking make it down the steep slope. Then when we were all at the bottom, we were all so excited because everyone did it from the littlest to the greatest. Then we continued up the floor of the ravine. The counselors taught the children about the birds, the wildlife, the plants. And it was the most slowest I had ever done that hike. It took forever because we could never go any faster than the slowest person in the group. But I will also say it was the most fun I had ever had on that hike. I never really liked the ravine hike. Shh, don't tell anyone. But that time I did. I saw things that I had never seen before. I appreciated wildlife like I never had because I was going slow enough to see it. And when we finally climbed up to the top and made our way back down to camp, there was such a sense of joy and accomplishment that we all did it together. Every single person who was at camp that week. There's a proverb that summarizes this. You might have heard, heard it. It goes like this. Alone, I go fast. Together, we go far. Alone, I go fast. Together, we go far. This is exactly what the parable of the Good Samaritan is all about. You see, there were two paths to go from Jerusalem to Jericho. There was the straight, easy path, and that went through Samaria. And if you went through Samaria, that means you would rub elbows and you'd interact with people who were ethnically different than you if you lived in Jerusalem. It was going, to the other, going through the other side of town. But if you didn't want to deal with them, you could take the new bypass that looped around, the 101. You could bypass all that, and that is precisely the road that Jesus is referring to. But it's a new road. It's more treacherous, and there were known to be bandits on it. So they knew exactly what he was talking about in this parable. So the first man, he's taken this new route, the 101 bypass, and he's the one that gets beaten up. And it was the first two people that saw him that kind of kept that same mentality. They were fast walkers. They could avoid this dangerous situation, just make another detour and get to where they wanted to go. They could get there fast. But it was the Samaritan, the Samaritan who understood that helping this person would slow him down. But by slowing down, and being a good neighbor, together they would go further. We go further in life when we care for one another. There are many ways to get to the same point. Some say that there are many paths to reach the top of the mountain. But we have to think about the group, the family, the community. According to the book of De Deuteronomy, God's ways are not difficult. They are things that we can do together. The solution to the riddle is that we are saved by God's grace, and it's God's grace that gives us the power to follow God's laws, not the other way around. We don't earn God's grace by being perfect, but God's grace gives us the strength 
to live into a more just world. Loving your neighbor is an act of faith. God's grace is the way that we can love our neighbor and fulfill God's law. Following God's laws calls us to confront injustice in the world, and grace helps us to do it. In our reading from Colossians this morning, thank you for reading, Debbie, Paul gives affirmation to this new community of faith in Colossae. He says, you guys are getting it right. You're living by grace. You're caring for one another in your fellowship. When a family goes through a difficult time, you're there supporting them. And when we do that, it slows us all down, but in the long run, we go further and we grow. We grow in fellowship and kindness with one another. There are things in life that we cannot avoid, but with faith and grace, we enable ourselves to fulfill God's laws together as neighbors and as good Samaritans. Amen.